0: And now, get growing with Farmer Fred. Talk650 and KSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman.
1: And a happy Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here, Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension Lifetime Master Gardener, garden columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred rant blog page at twitter.com slash Farmer Fred, daily garden tips, lots of snark, and the... Uh, Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page where there is always a garden dialogue going on. And I think, what what have I posted up there lately? Oh, one of my favorites, the uh, UC IPM list of their top 20 pest note page hits of 2017, which is a true barometer of what was really bugging you. Last year, Debbie errington is here, garden writer with the Sacramento Bee, and and many moons ago, Debbie, I'm sure you recall that uh, Dan Pratt used to do a little garden column for the Bee called "What's Bugging You." Yes, uh, where he would basically do the bug of the week. Yes, that's true. Yes, which I, I think was mostly just a, a way for him to uh, get products off the shelf at Capital Nursery at the time. <laughs> it might have been yes. <laughs> yeah. But it was interesting that the number one most viewed pest note page at the UCIPM site last year was carpet beetles. Really? How, many, how many questions do you get about carpet beetles? That, that is interesting. <laughs> yeah. And wow. My guess is there's some place in the country that must have a really bad carpet beetle infestation. And when you Google or do an Internet search for the phrase carpet beetle, maybe that UCIPM page comes up a lot. That could be Search words are amazing. Yeah,
2: that <laughs> it takes you there. But
1: uh, I don't think I had one question on carpet beetles all last year. Yeah, when I saw that list, I first thing I said to myself was, "What's a carpet beetle?" You know, it's, I didn't realize that was such a pest. But yeah, um, carpet beetles were number one. Peach leaf curl was number two. I can understand yes. that, especially after uh, the rains of twenty seventeen. Uh, aphids were number three. Clothes moths were number four. And scale were number five. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, if if off the top of your head, what has lately been your most asked question? Oh, when to plant tomatoes?
2: That's (laughs) yeah. But 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 what was funny because carpet beetles did come up um, a few weeks ago when I did a story on uh, the the woman who does Navajo style Mm -hmm. reading and that. She said the, the bane of rug collectors was carpet beetles. Oh that can be rug collectors anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that to kill the carpet beetles, they put the the rugs or woolen goods or weaving or your yarn or whatever the, the, the critters were in uh into the freezer. Um, hmm. Okay. left left it in there until it was frozen, took it out, shook it, then put it back in the freezer. And they did this two or three times, this freezing Warm, freezing, warm, freezing, you know, where they took it out and put it in the sun or under a heat lamp or something where it, it totally disrupted any eggs from being able to have any viability and hatching. But the thing about the carpet beetles was was interesting. Their damage, it was always a straight cut. And that's how you could tell if you had them. It's how it, it cut through the, the fabric of the, the carpet with this real straight, straight edge cut. Was it a cut or a burrow? I think it was probably
1: a burrow, okay,
2: yeah, it looked like a cut, but it was from them you know chewing their way through it very straight
1: yeah uh, so straight, not crooked like a like a leaf miner yeah it was yeah. yeah it was
2: it wasn't it didn't look it looked more like a machine cut than mm-hmm. than something that was done by a bug okay
1: all right well so it' the uh
2: the bugs that I get the most questions about uh, are the stink bugs. Yeah. and whether or not they'll be back. And spider mites, of course, with uh, the you know introduction of cannabis, I get a lot of spider mite
1: questions. <laughs> yes. The uh, number 10, I think it's 10th or 11th on that list, was a, a fairly new uh, introduction to our area in the way of pests, was the uh, leaf-footed, leaf-footed bug. Leaf-footed bug, yes, and which we, is a true bug. Yeah, and we are seeing many more of those.
2: Yes, yes. And I, I've gotten, oh, at least uh, 10 or 15 photos of leaf-footed bugs uh, the last three or four years, each each summer, where people sent me photos of, what is this thing? Because it does look like an alien creature. It, yeah, it has almost like duck-like rear feet. Oh, they're, they're, they're weird looking. And yeah. it's, well, the, the leaf-footed bug is, as it described, the back uh, legs look like some sort of strange leaf. But it, it's actually, it's a close relative of a stink bug. Yeah. And it acts a lot like a stink bug. It's a large thing. Uh, oh, it's over
1: an inch long when they're when they're, when they're mature and when I imagine you get the questions just like I do it people really panic when they start seeing them indoors because they come inside for the winter yes yeah so it's a don't be surprised if you start cleaning areas out uh, of your garage or uh, your shed this spring or in the next couple of months and you you come across a family of them and uh, best control I know of is just step on them yes but but
2: they 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 do stink a lot like stink
3: bugs
1: yes they do so yeah. don't don't uh, crush them indoors basically in fact that's the way a lot of people find out they have a a stink bug problem uh especially like i believe it's the bagrada bug mm-hmm. when it comes indoors and uh starts nesting is the odor yes well
2: the brown marmorated stink bug brown it, marmorated it, yeah. stink bug it's, it's someone that it. comes yeah. inside right yeah. too and yeah. that the the uh my uh Community garden is the Fremont Garden, which was ground zero for the yeah, <laughs> the bug right, yes, yeah, invasion. Yeah. And the Fremont Mews around us, the, those condos that, are, mm-hmm. that overlook the garden. Those stink bugs managed to squeeze themselves down to the thickness of a piece of paper and get between the screen and the window and get into houses that way and then they would find their ways into drawers and cabinets and closets yeah, and any place warm any place warm and they 're just staying warm over the winter so then they can pop out in March, which is what we're, where we 're at, yeah and all of a sudden start replicating themselves as soon as they feel it warm outside.
1: That is uh, what's going to happen here in March. Just like it's unnaturally uh, cold, it will get very warm mm-hmm. uh, in the weeks ahead. And we are going to see the uh, reinfestation of our summertime friends, like the bagrada bug, the stink bugs, the leaf-footed bugs, and mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. As too. Oh, mosquitoes like crazy. They're already, they
2: already started coming out because yeah. we had that warm weather. Yeah, And mosquitoes hibernate, and in the cracks of your house— uh, the females do, and they come out ready to start laying eggs, but they have to have a blood feast first. They have to bite you, you know, or, or an animal or your dog or, you know, or other pets. Um, and then they start laying eggs and get their cycle going very quickly. So if you see what looks like a full-grown mosquito out of nowhere, it's because it's come out of hibernation.
1: So that that's even more important to when you find standing water around your yard in buckets or wheelbarrows or wherever is to start emptying water. Oh yes. yes. So
2: we you know, during the drought we kind of forgot about it. But after a storm you really need to dump out that water that's standing underneath your pots and things like that in the the little drainage dishes because It's not just for the
1: health of the plant, because it will rot the roots if you let it stand there, but
2: but mosquitoes can can breed in as little as a tablespoon of water.
1: Yeah, uh, and that's why it it behooves you, especially uh, today, with dry weather for the next three or four days, to start uh, dumping water wherever you find it outside. Mm -hmm. And we're still behind in water, by the way, as far as... I know. And uh, yeah, uh, and hail doesn't help. No. (laughs) No, it, well, it melts.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it goes into the into into the ground with any luck. Um, I had one and a quarter inches during this storm at our house. Yeah, that's about which what was, I had. Was too. pretty good. Yeah, um, we're still behind, but the reservoirs are much better off than they were when we were during the drought. So it doesn't look as bad an outlook as it could be. But you don't know how long this dry period is going to last.
1: I have gotten onto the campaign of we have to quit calling it a drought and just start calling it the new California normal because this is what California was like hundreds of years ago. You would have extended periods, I'm talking decades-long dry periods of under-normal rainfall, and then a a few years scattered in between with lots of rain. That's Mm -hmm. normal now. Mm -hmm. And we have been blessed, I think, for probably fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty years of having abnormally wet winter weather here, and maybe now we're just going back to the way California's always been.
2: Well, you look at the rings of redwood trees. Yeah, it tells right. you that that story uh, the, in the Sierra, it's Not so much on the on the the Pacific. Uh, yeah, that, redwoods uh, yeah. because they, they get a hundred inches of rain a year and, and that's fall. fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the but the Sierra, the sequoias, mm-hmm. uh, those those trees tell you that story that. California's climate has those periods of dryness and wetness. And that's why California native plants can adapt to that sort of wide range of weather conditions.
1: Had an interesting interview the other day, I think I'll be playing it back on the air next week, with a researcher out at UC Davis that has been studying California native wildflowers and how the seeds of the native wildflowers are very smart in that they have trained themselves not to all germinate at once mm-hmm. when the rains come. They can last for years underground, mm-hmm. and it has to do with the coating and how deep they are, the shape of the seed itself, and it, it's just amazing how a California poppy knows not to you know, go into full bloom every year to save some seeds in reserve, and they seem to note that better when there's a drought on, mm-hmm. that the plant adapts to a drought.
2: Yes, and people always they want to know, when is a good wildflower time? And the best wildflower displays usually are two years after the big rain. Right. Not not right after the big rain, but but two years after it. Uh, although they're, they're expecting a good show uh, down in Lancaster with uh, well, Antelope Valley involved. Right, yeah. And stuff like the poppy fields, yes. Because we had, had good rain last year. Yeah.
1: Has the big show already happened in Death Valley? I don't think
2: so. Okay. It, things were running way ahead of schedule, but then things got very cold. Yeah. And it kind of brought everything to a halt. So uh, they're... The bloom down in Anza Borrego, and mm-hmm. that usually it's uh, right around
1: St. Patty's Day. Speak of yeah. peak of bloom. All right, every Californian should, at one point in their life, head to the desert just to see the rare blooms of the desert. Oh, it's it's yeah. spectacular. Yeah,
2: it, it's really something.
1: Debbie Arrington is here from the Sacramento Bee. We're talking gardening, obviously. Let's talk tomatoes when we come back. Let's answer some garden questions too. The numbers to call in nine one six five seven six one five seven eight. Or toll-free, 866-331-8255. Emails, sure, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. Clue available for the Garden Grappler at 11 at farmerfred.com. And the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Hi, Terry, thanks for running the board today. More of Get Growing on the way on Talk 650 KSTE. Mr. World
0: You are listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred.
1: Talk 650 KSTE.
0: Here again, Fred Hoffman.
1: Along with Debbie Arrington from the Sacramento Bee. Now, last week, Debbie, in your column in the Bee, you profiled the, the race to grow tomatoes here in, mm-hmm. in and how it <laughs> keeps getting pushed back and pushed back. I have heard from nurseries in the area about uh, how they get requests for tomato plants as early as January. Yes. We used to laugh when they were getting uh, requests in February. Now it's January. Yes. And I don't see that big a change in the weather to be planting in the middle of winter.
2: <laughs> well, it's, moving up here from Southern California, that is the big change, is that we have real seasons in Sacramento, and it is winter. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's not this sort of 12-month growth season that you have down in Southern California. And I think people coming in from the coast also, that San Francisco has more mild temperatures during the winter and more mild temperatures in the summer. So they they seasons kind of blend together, and they don't really have a feel for when to plant. So they see the tomatoes in the stores, they want to put them in the ground.
1: Most nice nurseries will tend to hold off in getting their uh, summer vegetables in until at least March. Mm -hmm. And uh, the big box stores, I think, are are the most notorious at bringing in the early plants because they see a sale happening. People come in and ask for them. Mm -hmm. So you get all these young plants that have no business being in the ground to suffer through soil temperatures that right now, and the soil temperatures the last couple of weeks have actually started dipping it, mm-hmm. back when we had that little mini heat wave yeah. in February, the soil temperatures were up around 51, 52. Right now, soil temperature is 48 to 49. Oh my gosh. And if you want a tomato to grow in the ground, the soil temperature has to be at least 65
2: for and, it to go. Yeah. And yeah, that's not noises, until late April. Yeah. Otherwise, it just sits there, and it's just literally sitting there it's not growing any roots, mm-hmm. it's not growing any stem it's not doing anything it's just shivering, saying, "I hope I don't die,"
1: yeah, it's stressed too, and yeah. a stress plant sends out signals to every bad bug that comes around that oh yes, dinner's yes. ready
2: yes, exactly because if it's under stress, then it's it, then it's vulnerable to attack the The thing about spring planting is the spring nursery season is like Christmas, yeah so Christmas, you know, you see Christmas creep in the fall with, you know, with Labor Day, Christmas Labor Day up, you start yeah. seeing the Christmas decorations. Well, seeing tomatoes in January is that same sort of thing. It's spring is coming. Spring is coming. You're going to want to plant. So they're putting out all this, this, you know, early candy for you to get you in there and get you in the mood to start thinking about gardening.
1: I just think that's a sad thing to do to a living creature. To a oh plant. yeah,
2: because it is a plant yeah. that somebody spent time getting that seed propagated, yeah, and to get it to grow, and to then to just rush it outside out of its nice warm spot in the greenhouse into a shivering cold yard, it just doesn't make any sense. The you know the thing about planting. And I I think you're the one who told me this originally, that is if you can't
1: go sit bare bottom in the yard, Mm -hmm. that the ground is too cold.
2: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Go outside,
1: take your pants off, go sit in the soil. If you can stay there for 60 seconds, go ahead and plant. If on the other hand, you're up in a flash and back in the house... Don't plant yeah it's too cold, yeah, and length of day too, consider length of day it's mm-hmm. it's what what is the length of day right now six thirty three a m to six o two p m not even twelve hours that's it you've got to go over twelve hours of yeah. sun for the tomatoes to do anything by the way, speaking of that, don't forget daylight savings time begins next Sunday morning, yes, so we all Terry, we all lose an hour's sleep next Sunday, all right. Um, we fall back. Yes, we uh, spring, spring, spring forward. Yes, we spring, spring forward, forward yeah. and uh, we we wake up uh, in the dark again. If we those of you that get up at five thirty to six, who have hungry animals, and um, it'll be light though at seven o'clock at night. So this is good for uh, the after work gardeners, mm-hmm. and that might give them the cue to start doing summer gardening. But the, <laughs> in, in March, a, but
2: the, get ready, get the garden ready. Yeah. yeah yes. There's uh, in, You've got that urge to go out and do something. Mm -hmm. But there are lots of things that you can do besides putting the tomatoes in the ground. You can prepare the ground for the tomatoes to come. You can pull weeds. This is the best time to get the weeds out because you want to get them while they're small. Exactly. And and if you do get those little tomatoes from the the nursery or the big box store and you bring them home and you realize the ground is too cold, transplant those tomatoes into one-gallon pots. And one-gallon black pots, they will produce really good root systems while they're there inside that, that pot, that mid-sized pot. And the black plastic absorbs heat, so it stays warmer, and it will give the plant a really robust root structure. So then when you do transplant it into the yard in a month, it will go up much faster.
1: Or it's not too late to plant tomatoes from seed indoors. Yes. it It only takes... 8 weeks or so for yes. a seed to go from zero to plantable. Yes. And but indoors being the key with yeah. enough light.
2: Well, yes, they they have to have light. It has to be a a warm sunny window um or grow lights. Yeah. Um preferably a south south or east exposure on on your windowsill.
1: So what is the bees policy now for answering marijuana questions? <laughs> <The> <laughs> <laughs> Well, that that's a
2: that's a a interesting question. Yes, it's uh, on yeah, my end as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> um, I I usually refer them to somebody else. uh yeah. that could give them a better answer. Um, the the couple that I wrote about uh about two or three weeks ago with the uh, what's bugging my marijuana mm-hmm. plant uh, that they're very good good folks. They answer questions and they, they have expert advice. Um, Ed Rosenthal out in the Bay Area, he's very good. Um, you know, and th- th- these are people that are in the
1: business and they have the expertise. Ed Rosenthal's still around? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Good. And prolific as ever. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, but, uh, you know, it may be illegal on a federal level, but it's legal on a state level for private use, I yeah, guess. Well, it's, yeah.
2: you know, and it's a gardening thing. Yeah,
1: it is. Yeah. And uh, that's um, why I got a lot of questions about spider mites. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's their big problem. That's
2: that's the the biggest bug yeah, on, on marijuana plants, particularly indoors.
1: So how do they? Uh, oh, on indoors. So yeah. how do you control it indoors? Oh, that's that's the problem. Yeah, yeah.
2: because you, the what natural. was Ed's advice. Oh God, I, thought, I forget what it was. Um, well, it's, it was getting. The, you're you're trying to um, get the <laughs> nip the problem in the bud. Thank um, you. <laughs> you're trying to keep the plant from contaminating other plants. Right. The, the they try to set up um, a. The, the um, oh the folks who, the two authors um, their their advice was trying to create a indoor situation because in California can or at least in Sacramento you can only grow indoors uh, to try to create a situation for them that is like outside because yeah. the best ways to combat spider mites is with their natural enemies you know with predatory wasps and other mites and things like that um, indoors it's much more problematic. Sure. Yeah, there's
1: no natural predators indoors.
2: Yeah, yeah and apparently there there's a a, a hemp mite that's a, like oh, a rust-colored mm, yeah. one that uh is particularly bad. Huh.
1: Okay. Well. I'll still just worry about tomato yes. bugs <laughs> squash bugs and all the other typical ones. Boy, I can't wait for the uh next round of cabbage looper worms that the little white moths deliver. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. Yes with that i'm sure they're just laying and wait waiting for warmer temperatures to come and get the second round of our cool season crops and it's not too late i mean if you want to do something in the garden you don't have to plant your warm season crops you can put in another round of cool season Mm -hmm. crops you can put in broccoli broccoli, lettuce Mm -hmm. kales chard spinach mustards all sorts of uh, good greens for Mm -hmm. you Mm
2: -hmm. it's a little late for cabbage because it it won't form its head
1: yeah Yeah. but if you are going to plant greens and try to make them loose leaf varieties mm -hmm. of of whatever you grow. But again, they're going to be very attractive to a whole host of Mm -hmm. pests, not only the cool season pests, but the warm season pests Mm -hmm. as well. Aphids. Yeah. We're going to see a lot of aphids. I would recommend that uh, people think about growing them as baby greens and and harvesting when they're young. Yes. That's the other trend I've noticed in a lot of situations, especially with people that don't have backyards, but maybe they've got a big kitchen windowsill or whatever, is growing microgreens. Yes. And that's a booming little industry. There. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. It's it's uh, particularly big with millennials. Yeah. Um, er, Window sill herbs and
1: microgreens are the gateway to gardening. Yes, and <laughs> and and you don't need that much room. Mm-mm. And frankly, light isn't that big a deal. There should be some good light, but when you're harvesting, when they're only an inch or two tall. Then it's not that critical.
2: Well, what's great about it is you have a crop that you can eat in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> which is but you, great. But and yeah. you have to
1: plant every two weeks yes. too.
2: Yes. Well, you yes, you you do succession planting, so you mm-hmm. actually plant every week.
1: Yeah, you probably yeah, yeah exactly. You would plant much more often. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's fresh, it's green, it's not going to get any healthier mm-hmm. than what you can grow in your own yard, mm-hmm. and that's the key uh, with uh, a lot of things these days. And the thoughts of a lot of people is. The healthiest food that you could possibly eat is the food you grow yourself.
3: Yes.
2: Because you, you know the f- full history of that food. You know where it came from. You know what was sprayed on it. Yes. Uh, you know how f- you know its carbon footprint. You know, and the shortest carbon footprint you can get is outside your your back door.
1: Yeah. And pe- more, more and more people are doing it organically. Yeah. Now, here's a question that I was thinking about recently. And next time Steve Zion is on, I'm going to be asking him this because I don't know the answer to it. And that is... If you're growing organic crops in your backyard and you're on a municipal water system, is that water organic? Because it's probably been treated with chlorine. Oh, boy. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah.
1: So, so do you have to just go out and buy spring water or, or boil tap water or what? I'll be interested in hearing Steve's answer on that Well, one. the
2: certification, for to be certified organic, includes several different layers like that yeah. including the your neighbors have to be organic also because you can have drift of spray
1: right yeah when that's on a, on a commercial basis if yeah. you are growing commercially organic i mean you can't basically call yourself organic unless that soil has been checked for 5 years in a row mm-hmm. as being organic you just can't convert from one year to the next yeah. and uh, call yourself organic i mean you can certainly work towards that end but to be certified organic that that's a long period now if you're just a backyard gardener and you want the healthiest food possible you don't want to use any dangerous chemicals basically um well just do what you're doing just uh, keep you use that tap water. I don't care. Well, you you could do rainwater catcher. Okay. Too. Yes, you yeah. could do that yeah. too. Yes. Well, I guess it depends where the rainwater came off of. Mm. Because if it came off a roof,
2: <laughs> if you came off your roof, well, yeah. You got you got your. All your right. Well, I'm, we're not going to worry about there,
1: that. So. All right. While we come back, let's delve into the email people have been sending to Fred at FarmerFred.com. And if you got any garden questions, uh, give us a call 916-576-1578. 866 331 8255. Email. Send it to fred at farmerfred.com. It's get growing on Talk 650 KSTE.
4: Patty, it's.
0: And growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman.
1: With Debbie Arrington, garden writer from the Sacramento Bee, also consulting Rosarian. And Debbie, what a weird year it was for roses. Riding my bike uh, along the American River bike trail, I would uh, maybe see some homes in the distance and see roses in bloom Mm
2: -hmm. in February. I
1: go, What's going Mm -hmm. on here? I have some
2: roses in bloom. Yes, the, the ones that I... I was so happy that I got a jump start on some of my pruning. And so I did some pruning in December. Those roses are blooming now, which is really out of order. Yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't be blooming right now. Um, I would much be, be much happier if they were blooming in April, um, which is why – you tend, to bloom, you tend to do most of your pruning in January or February mm-hmm. to get to reset that clock and get the plants back on schedule where they're blooming in the right sequence. What, what is that cycle? Is it like a six-week or a seven-week cycle? It's six to eight weeks yeah. b- between the time you cut the, the cane to
1: you get a, 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 a bud and a, a full-bloom rose. What are the drawbacks to having a blooming rose this time of year?
2: Well, it's um, it's like a great big flag to bugs saying, "Over here, the buffet is now open. Come eat, come eat." Um, also, it the the rose is using a lot of energy to put out a flower right now, and then have to survive a hailstorm. Yeah, um, it's it's it uh, will survive. It will. It will. It's just it's just putting itself at risk of of extreme weather conditions because once it breaks dormancy, um, the rose is, um, it's much more susceptible to extreme uh, changes in temperature, uh, be that way too hot or way too cold.
1: Walking the dogs through Folsom, I still see yards where roses haven't been touched. Uh, Mm -hmm. They still have their foliage, they still look pretty darn good, Mm -hmm. and they haven't been pruned yet. What sort of shape are those bushes in, or what can they look forward to? They can look forward
2: to a lot of rust and black spot coming very soon, because that foliage left over from last year Our little spore factories, you can't see it right now because most of it is on the underside of the leaves um, and the the spores are invisible to us. But as soon as the weather conditions get just right, which is uh, about 70 degrees, which we're going to see very soon here in March, um, those spores will become active. And they'll just start, and powdery mildew is the other thing. We're going to have a huge powdery mildew explosion here uh, in probably about two weeks. And so right after we get through all this rain and then it's going to start getting warm, we'll have just the right conditions for powdery mildew. And those spores are hiding um, either in the mulch right underneath the bushes, uh, in the dead leaves underneath the bushes, or on the old foliage from last year itself, which is why you want to take the foliage from last year off the plant and discard it. Not drop it on ground, not compost it, get rid of it. Get it out of the garden because all that has got all this fungus on it that's just
1: waiting to reinfect your garden. So even though those rose bushes may look okay, they're not really okay. So if you haven't pruned yet, even though we always talk about, yeah, between Christmas and Valentine's Day, best time to prune a rose, it's not too late.
2: It's not too late. It's, it's better to prune now than not at all. Because what you're doing is you're resetting the plant's clock to get it on schedule with with the right growth in the right sequence mm. and at the right time. Cuz right now that things are kind of off cuz we had a very warm winter. Yeah. Um and a very dry winter. And so, then a
1: hard freeze. And then a
2: hard freeze. <laughs> so the the plants are the plants are confused. So pruning now pruning does lots of things. It it opens up air circulation in the inside of the plant so you have a healthier plant, you have less chance of disease. It controls the growth because if you don't prune the rose is going to grow just as tall as it is now on top of that growth. So say you have a four-foot hybrid tea, it's going to push out its growth at the top. It's not going to come from the bottom. It's going to be growing from the top. And so it's going to get up to like six or eight feet, where your roses are going to be where you can't smell them.
1: All right. Much like a crepe myrtle tree, that if you never prune a crepe myrtle tree, all the flowers are up at the top. The very, very top, yeah. Yeah. So pruning also can signal a plant to enter dormancy, but I think it's still a little late in the year to try to trick a rose into dormancy. It's
2: it's going to go right right into uh, bud break and growing. Yeah. Yes. It's
1: because they're doing that already. They're starting out new buds. So if you are pruning a rose now, should you fertilize it now or wait for an inch of growth?
2: Um, I if you were pruning right now, I'd go ahead and fertilize now too. Okay. Yeah, because it's going to get growing right immediately. All right. And but just a light fertilizer, not a whole bunch. Um, a lot of folks in the rose society they like to sprinkle alfalfa pellets mm-hmm. um, around and, and sprinkle not. Lump, yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, and sprinkle like one cup per full size hybrid tea, you know, sprinkled in the ground around it. Uh, because uh, alfalfa pellets have a lot of, of nitrogen in them. The, the trick is though to make sure to use ones that don't have
1: molasses or additives to it because that just attracts ants, so not rabbit food, not rabbit food, okay. Um, but there are a lot of good organic fertilizers on the market that mm-hmm. list roses on the label, oh, yes, as well, yes. so those of us yeah. that want a more what, balanced fertilizer.
2: Yes, of course. And what roses are looking for, they they are looking for a balanced fertilizer. Mm-hmm. So you want that second and third number out of those three macronutrient numbers to be as high as the, the nitrogen number, or maybe a little more.
1: All right. So like a triple eight or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, the, my friend, and probably your friend too, Giselle Schoninger from mm-hmm. Kellogg Garden Products, mm-hmm. uh has a saying that makes a lot of sense when it comes to explaining those three numbers on a fertilizer bag, which represent nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Mm-hmm. She says the first number is for up, the second number is for down, the mm-hmm. third number is for all around. Yes. And that's so true. The nitrogen, yeah. green growth. Yes. The the second number, the phosphorus, is basically for root production. Mm-hmm. And the potassium is for overall vigor of the plant. Mm-hmm.
2: That that middle number also has a lot to do
1: with flowers and, and yes, fruiting, too. right, fruiting so, and flowers. Yeah. And
2: I think she's going to be the speaker at the Sacramento Rose Society Thursday night
1: at 730 oh. at the
2: Shepherd Garden Center.
1: How about that? Yeah. Coming to town and not going to be on the show? What's going on here? <laughs> uh, okay, I'll have to come out there and, and bug her. Uh, speak of that, uh, about the Rose Society and their mm-hmm. meetings. Mm-hmm. That's your turn. Speak about. <laughs> oh yes,
2: yes. Uh, well, the the Sacramento Rose Society. Well, in our area, we have a lot of great rose societies. Yes, and at least two I can think of. Well, Sacramento and Sierra Foothills, but also Gold Country and Motherlode. Mm. Oh, that's right. You I know, can't forget yeah. them. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm, in fact, I'm the speaker for the Motherlode Rose Society in Jackson on Tuesday. Are you up on yes. New York Ranch Road? Yes, yes. Say yes, hi yes. to the people there. For I me. shall. I shall. Um, well. The Sacramento Rose Society meets the second Thursday of each month at the Shepherd Garden Arts Center in McKinley Park at 730. And it's open to the public and everybody is welcome. And we talk about rose care and propagation and um, all sorts of good stuff to do with roses and other gardening. You
1: had that furrowed brow look to you when you were talking about the, the reasons for pruning now in order to get that bloom in April. And I interpreted that furrowed brow to mean, I want my roses in bloom in time for the Sacramento Rose Society Rose Show in late April.
3: Yes.
2: (laughs) You got that straight. Yes, it's uh, last Saturday in April at the Shepherd Garden and Arts Center, and it's going to be the 70th annual Sacramento Rose Show. It'll be my birthday,
1: April 28th. Yes, yes. I'll be on my bike.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or planting tomatoes.
1: Or planting. I I do both. I do both. Um, But, yeah, and there's always something some monkey wrench thrown into the works that uh, a, a late rainstorm or early development of roses and the roses are past their prime well, that or, was, or it's late
2: that was a lot of concern for a lot of folks that had done their pruning early is that their roses were starting to bloom out already and if they were already going into their cycle where were they going to be in april mm-hmm. uh, so you know there was concern that we were well, it's always we're not going to have any roses. People always, you know, particularly in in March, there is this sort of of scare that goes through the society. We're not going to have any roses. Should we have a show this year? And we always somehow manage to have enough roses, and I mean like a thousand roses. Um, it's enough roses, and we always have a show. Um, it's sort of like the Camellia Society having mm-hmm. its 94th annual show this weekend, and they survived a hailstorm this week and still managed to pull off thousands of beautiful camellias. And
1: they're in the old building.
2: They're in the Memorial
1: Auditorium. Yeah.
2: And people should go see them today.
1: All right. Yeah, that's on from now till four o'clock I or think, three o'clock. I
2: think it's five. Five o'clock. I, th- I think okay. it's 10 to five. All right.
1: Oscars start at five. I know, yeah. Well, the- and we were Go talking <laughs> over on over on uh, the KFBK show we were talking about Lady Bird and its Sacramento centric theme mm-hmm. and uh, you were mentioning that the uh, writer and director of that movie Greta Gerwig has had in mind three more movies about Sacramento mm-hmm and i was thinking well maybe something rose related a rose show the competition the cutthroat <laughs> nature of the rose show well if you ever saw the the uh, dog movie best in yes. show <laughs> yes
2: <laughs> you could do a flower version of that um I and mean, flower people that they are they're really into it um, yeah. it was was uh, interesting at the camellia show um it's the world's largest and oldest camellia show so it you know it's it's got a lot of street cred um, there was a couple who had come from Japan with a flower to exhibit at that show. Um, the current show? Uh, yes. So yes. it's there now. Yes, it's there mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they brought it all the way from Tokyo on a plane, you know, in a special box. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, with, how with, do they
1: get that past customs? Uh,
2: well, th- that's a good question, yeah. how they managed yeah. to do this. Um, and and there's several people in Sacramento that they exhibit their camellias up And down the state, yeah. um, and how they get them from one place to another is, is amazing. And I've, I've, you know, there's several roast growers here. Baldo Viegas, he's exhibited his flowers internationally.
1: So, yeah, it's one thing yeah. to take flowers out of California, but bringing flowers into California, I know. yeah, that's yeah. uh, well, we've just alerted the CDFA <laughs> to the presence of <laughs> Japanese beetles at the auditorium.
2: No, no I well, <laughs> the, well, part of it has to do with what kind of flower you're bringing in, too. I mean, yeah. I, they would not allow you to bring in uh, orange blossoms. Oh, I hope not. You know, or, yeah. or
1: citrus, for example. Yeah. If, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. anyway,
2: so, yes, it's very competitive, and mm-hmm. people go to great lengths and extremes to show their flowers.
1: Hmm, that might make a, that might make a great Michael McKean movie, like Best in Show. <laughs> <laughs> Just some of the interesting personalities that oh, make up yes. the Rose Society. <laughs> people love flowers, and yeah. this, well, the thing about
2: gardening is that it's the hobby of more than half of America now. Where they when people in polls they ask people what your interests are, how mm-hmm. do you spend your free time. Gardening is right up there, particularly with folks over 50, because once you get older, you tend to have more time. You might be Mm -hmm. spending more time outside enjoying your landscape. You might be thinking, well, I'm interested in what what I eat and I like to cook. I can grow things. And plants don't talk back to you. Well, and also there's a sense of of accomplishment when you grow something
1: that um, you can eat. Or you mm-hmm. can enjoy it. It looks beautiful. Exactly. Or even just cleaning up the yard and then mm-hmm. standing back and admiring it when you're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of satisfaction yeah. in that. Yeah. We have to take a break. When we come back, we uh, we will delve into the email you've been sending, We I promise. And the Garden Grappler's on the way at 11 o'clock. Clue available at FarmerFred.com or the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE and KSTE.com.
4: Dave Ramsey here.
1: You are listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE.
0: Here again, Fred Hoffman.
1: And today's guest, Debbie Arrington from the Sacramento Bee, their garden writer, food writer, sports writer, entertainment writer. Yes. Everything. All right. Uh, What was it in yesterday's paper that uh, caught me by surprise? Um, I'll have to look it up now. But you talked about the Camellia Show and the Mm -hmm. fact they have to find a new place because Mm -hmm. the auditorium is going to be... Renovated. Mm-hmm. And maybe we don't know where it's gonna go. Not yet. Yeah.
2: But 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 if people love the Camellia Show. The Camellia Show will survive. Right. They'll find a spot.
1: And But a, people should go today and go see it at the memorial because it's beautiful. Right. And the questions you're getting in are on a wide variety of, of questions that yes. you get about bug and disease issues yes. uh for, for garden problems and uh I would think that around now it's uh, early tomato problems. <laughs> yes, yeah.
3: Well, it's
2: it's funny because it, um, well, the, there's two th- schools of thought with with early tomato planting. There's one thought that this is the right time to plant tomatoes. It's not. You're no. pushing it. Then the other part is wanting to do the challenge of trying to grow something, which is very appeals to a lot of gardeners. Right. Is the challenge of being able to grow something someplace where people say you can't grow it there. Like avocados in Sacramento, that has always been one of those things. You can't grow avocados in Sacramento. Well, you can with certain varieties and certain microclimates, and if you do all these different things to try to convince the plant that it's actually someplace much warmer than it is Um, and much more conducive to their their type of growth.
1: Um, Because, you know... And I think when it comes to avocados that you're going to have more success if you don't think of it as a tree, but think of it as a bush, yes, and keep it at a height where it's going to continue to get reflected heat from a wall or a yes. fence
2: yes, yeah, but when I think of the avocado trees I had when
1: I was a kid, well.
2: and my granddad was an avocado hybridizer, so oh. yeah, so we well, he died falling out of an avocado tree in fact but <laughs> um <laughs> but our trees were were thirty forty feet tall, I mean yeah. they were gigantic trees, sure they were really, really big. Um, and the idea of trying to cover something like that to protect it from frost, is not going to happen. Uh, but if you have an avocado tree in a pot, yes, you can get two or three avocados maybe after maybe 10 years because they take a long time to get to a size. But anyway, um, the idea of tomatoes in February is a lot of the challenge of trying mm-hmm. to get that tomato in the ground early and then have uh, ripe tomatoes before Memorial Day.
1: And I see by the extended weather forecast that Tuesday calls for mostly sunny and 66 degrees and Wednesday sunny and 65. So as the temperatures get into 65 and 70 degree range and sunny skies, people will get the bug again.
2: Of course, yeah. yeah. Right now it's 42 degrees. And snow in Placerville. <laughs> yes, but there are lots of, of tricks and devices now that you can use to try right. to convince the plants that it's warmer than it is. Uh, like the wall of water right. idea was mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, that is a, a little plastic uh, inflatable device that you fill the the this plastic barrier with water, and it, it creates a safety zone around the plant where it's it's kind of like an igloo, but it keeps it about five to ten degrees warmer than the surrounding air.
1: It's open at the top, but yeah. it's basically a cylinder, mm-hmm. and it's the cylinder is made up of little cylinders that mm-hmm. you fill with water. The the sun during the day warms it up mm-hmm. and releases the heat at night. Now, I've used walls of water for years, and the problem is the plant can't develop a backbone Mm -hmm. when it's protected like that. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to stake it as soon as you remove that wall of water in late April or early Mm -hmm. May because it's just going to flop on the ground. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the tricks of uh, getting that thing off is empty it halfway first, then lift it. Don't try to mm. lift it when it's full of water. Otherwise it's heavy, it's heavy yeah. and, and you're going to get wet. Yeah. But uh, like I say, have some sort of staking system mm-hmm. ready to go when you've got that. Uh question from Sophia that she posted on the get growing with farmer Fred Facebook page. She sent in a picture of her new roses that she purchased and she has them in one and two gallon. looks like there's one in a five gallon container of new roses. And, uh, it's scattered around the roses, it looks like, like you said, perlite, but it's hail. And she says, Will the accumulated hail from the storm yesterday affect the growth of my new bare root roses? They'll
2: be fine. Yeah, yeah, r- roses are really, really strong and hardy. Um, and when you look at roses in the wild, like our California wild rose, it grows in the uh, in the foothills of the mountains and, and up, oh, it's 7,200 feet. Oh, mm-hmm. You know, we have roses up in the mountains at our place. Um, and Roses can take a lot of abuse. Uh, elsewhere around the country, they're entirely buried by snow and come back strong. The If the plant is exposed to extreme frost, she had some tender growth on those those plants. It might lose that first growth, but it will come back strong. Right. Because uh, it takes a lot more than that little bit of hail to to derail a rose.
1: Yeah, roses are not and herbaceous perennial. They are a shrub.
2: They are shrub, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so
1: they can survive. So don't worry about them. Carrie from Fair Oaks writes in and says, I have a peach, a couple of cherries that had not blossomed before we got the recent freeze, but my apricot and pluot have both blossomed. I'm assuming chill hours not only uh, don't count once fruit trees have blossomed, but it might, f- in fact, adversely affect the crop in the tree. Can you tell me what effect several days of a hard freeze like we had recently will have on fruit trees in bloom? Uh, none, of it, none of it's good. None uh, of that, yeah, that's one of those $64 million questions that the almond growers are asking right now. Almond yeah. growers, pistachio yeah. growers, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. grape growers, mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. because they saw some bud break uh, mm-hmm. during that February heat wave. Yes. So they're wondering, too. Uh, the best thing you can do, I think, is to keep the soil hydrated. Yes. And uh, because a wet soil, a moist soil, uh, emanates more heat at night out around the plant. Uh, I think with young fruit trees as well, especially if you just planted them, and it sounds like these are about one year old, is to wrap the trunk when a hard freeze is predicted Mm -hmm. because that's the most sensitive part. You want to protect the plant. Don't worry about any sort of fruit development this year. It it may be sporadic because the blooms can be adversely affected and those blooms that had already opened, uh, they may have already uh, started developing fruit, in which case uh, that fruit may be toast.
2: Well, the the thing with those those fragile new blooms were there any bees because the Mm -hmm. bees are not going to be active when it gets real cold like that the bees may have come out when it was in the 60s or, or 70s but when we have this cold weather that we're having right now you're not going to see bee activity and if you don't see bee activity then you're not going to have any pollination no pollination no fruit right so even if the blooms got knocked off if they weren't
1: pollinated you know there wasn't anything there the bad news too is they're not going to rebloom again this year. No, no. you're you're kind of stuck with what comes now. I'm sure there's, there's a lot of varieties out there that have not even bloomed yet. Yes, that will be blooming, so they should be okay. But again, it's going to be an interesting year from on a lot of fronts, both agricultural and backyard garden wise, as yes. far as what sort of year it's going to be.
2: Yes, well, our our peach tree was all bloomed uh, when we had that hail, and so it knocked off about half the flowers mm. on on the tree. But there's, there's still a lot on there. So I've been watching it to see if the bees are coming around. Because that's my big concern is I haven't seen any bees. And if there's any bees, then there's not going to be any peaches.
1: Maybe when we're talking about the garden grappler uh, in a few minutes while that's on and we need a, a neutral topic to talk about so we don't give away any answers, we can talk about maybe how to attract bees to the yard. That'd be good. All right, we'll do that. Debbie Arrington is here from the Sacramento Bee. We've got the news coming up, but after the news, it's garden grappler time, a chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet. It's on the way in hour number two of Get Growing here on (laughs) Talk650KSTE.
0: Get Growing Continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again,
1: Fred Hoffman. With Debbie Arrington, garden writer extraordinaire for the Sacramento Bee. She'll be judging today's Garden Grappler, which happens right now. Terry, are you ready in there to start getting people's names and numbers? And we will find ourselves some winners, five winners. If you can mention a plant that shares its name with a movie title. It's Oscar night. Ten, nine movies nominated, or eight movies. Nine, nine, nine movies nine. nominated mm-hmm. for Best Picture, including uh, Lady Bird, mm-hmm. uh, which was all about Sacramento.
2: <laughs> in a roundabout way.
1: Yeah, not so roundabout. <laughs> it was pretty direct. I think yeah. the, the nun in the movie put it best, saying, yes. y- You love Sacramento <laughs> by the way you write. Yeah. Uh, well, many of mm-hmm. us do. Anyway, uh, mention a plant that shares its name with a movie title and tell you what because debbie is a consulting rosarian i'll give you psychic bonus points if the movie you mention is also the name of a rose variety but that's not necessary to win that's extra bonus points for when when you die it'll it'll help you out um mention a plant that shares its name with a movie title psychic bonus points if it's a rose variety All five callers get a prize, special bonus prize for caller five. The trick is you can't repeat an earlier answer. The numbers to call, 916-576-1578, 916-576-1578, or, if you prefer, 866-331-8255, 866-331-8255. Name a plant that shares its name with a movie title. Clue available at farmerfred.com. Also posted at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Good luck. All right. So while you're ruminating on that, let's try, Debbie, not to give away any answers. Okay. And uh, let's uh, talk, <laughs> talk about what we said we we're going to talk about, which is we need bees in our garden for pollination. Yes. One, one out of every three bites of food you take is comes courtesy of a bee. Yes. And we are lucky enough to live in a climate where we can grow plants year-round that are bee-attractive. Mm-hmm. that need them. Like right now, if you have rosemaries, they're probably in bloom and mm-hmm. the bees love the rosemaries. Mm-hmm. If you have certain cover crops, maybe mustard, they might mm-hmm. be in bloom. If you let your cool season vegetables go to seed and start bolting and producing flowers, they like those as well. Yes. Uh, what uh, On a seasonal basis, what, what do you like to keep in the yard to attract bees? Well, some of the things you said. Um, I the, didn't give away the, all the answers. <laughs> I left some for you. Well, uh,
2: bees... Bees like to see yellow. Yellow is is their favorite color. It's mm. it's like a color that that just sort of waves a, a flag at them and says, "Come over here. We th- we've got pollen and and nectar that you'll like." So I like to have some yellow flowers in the garden. Um, in the summer, I've always got you know uh, echinacea, you know some cone flowers, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, or your marguerite daisies. Uh, other yellow daisy like flowers aster flowers any of those the, the Ureops, yeah. yes yeah any of those they like um they oh, goldenrod mm-hmm. um you know which might make you sneeze but um zinnias um those flowers are all ones that you know bees and butterflies are going to like um oh right now calendulas um they're your early flowers that for early spring You'll see a lot of bee activity and um other bugs going to visit them, right you know so and also the collengios are edible flower, so they're they do double duty.
1: I was amazed at finding so many edible leaves of plants that i'm growing for their fruit like peas yes like oregon sugar pod peas yes those leaves
2: are delicious yes they are they're, they're very yeah. good to stir fry. and fava greens yes fava greens that is that is a big thing it, it's interesting because people grow favas as a winter cover crop mm-hmm. quite often without even bothering to harvest the 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 pods because the pods do take a lot of work to go through that yeah you know it's they're they're delicious, but but yeah. it's several steps. But the greens are very very easy vegetable. Mm-hmm. They grow very quickly. Um, you want to remove the the stem because uh, the stem is a little fibrous. Uh, but the leaves taste like spinach. Um, with a little bit of fava flavor in right, them, yeah. and they're, they're excellent. Anything you use spinach for, you can use fava greens.
1: I would warn though that if you are allergic to fava beans, you're probably allergic to the leaves. Yes, as well. that's true. Yeah. So yeah. be careful there. Yes, I'm. I've been encouraging my wife when she goes out to the garden to pick greens for the dinner salad. Mm-hmm. That okay? Yeah, fine. Take some lettuce and spinach and chard, mm-hmm. but but don't forget the pea leaves. Don't forget mm-hmm. the 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 fava bean leaves. Mm-hmm. And they're delicious, and Mm -hmm. it it adds a lot of variety and different shades of green to the salad as well. Yes,
2: and it's a very fast growing uh, green. And the thing with favas is spinach, because it's so close to the ground, tends to get very dirty. Um, Mm. and you get a lot of dirt, especially if you're like growing a crinkly variety or something like that. Oh, yeah, especially you know, and that's a lot of work to clean to and then you steam it very quickly and all that. The fava greens,
1: because they're growing up off the ground. Uh, they're much easier to clean. And peas, too, if you've trellised yes, them. Yes, of course. Yeah. the uh, A little word of warning about uh, the fava beans, if you are growing it as a cover crop, you may notice it's starting to blossom. Yes. And you, this is the time of the year you'd actually want to cut back that crop to not quite to ground level, but cut it down very short, because when the fava beans start to bloom, that means they're sending all that nitrogen that they've stored up in their roots out to produce those flowers and the eventual beans. But you want to keep that nitrogen in the ground. So if you are growing it as a cover crop to increase the nitrogen in the soil, as soon as you start seeing the blooms of the fava bean, cut the plant back. True. And get it growing that way. Yeah, because it's taking the nitrogen that it banked back out. Yeah. And, and uh, the advice I've heard from people as well uh, who uh, do cover crops for a living, like the folks up at Peaceful Valley Farm Supply, they mentioned that after you've cut it back, To cover the remaining plants, uh, if you've only cut them back to two or three inches, cover them with mulch Mm -hmm. to help keep it in the ground. So that's what I've been doing with my tree trimmings lately. You have a lot of mulch. (laughs) Well, my driveway is a mulch magnet for the local tree trimming companies. Mm. I'm I'm known in the neighborhood as the mulch guy. (laughs) It's like I, I don't mind shoveling mulch. That's fine. And my front yard is basically mulch with plants now and and instead of having a lawn in the backyard i've got mulch and so it's uh it's it's a mulch yard and that's fine i like it that way uh well look at this we have people calling with answers to the garden grappler which is mention a plant that shares its name with a movie title psychic bonus points if it's a rose variety well let's see what we got here let me clear off my desk here and start Doing some work with my left hand to bring these people up. Roberta in Garden Valley, go ahead, give us a movie and a plant name.
5: Well, I can't get the bonus points, but it's called the Black Dahlia.
1: Black Dahlia. Oh, yeah. That was a movie. Was was yes. a Humphrey Bogart movie.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it but no. wasn't. But it was um, like that. It was very film noir. Yes, yes, because right. it's yes. rip- yes. based on a real murder case. Yeah. Ah, that's right. Yeah. An yeah. LA murder. Oh it? yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Was that was that the story of George Reeves? suicide? No no, 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 no.
2: No, it's it's a woman who was cut in half. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. different than yeah. George Reeves. Yeah. Okay. She and she was she had had a thing for frilly hats, and they said it made it look her look like a black dahlia. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Hey, dahlias. You can grow those here. Yes. Yeah. Very big ones.
2: It it's funny. Um that one of our neighbors planted their dahlias along with their spring bulbs. Uh, there are daffodils and tulips and things, and the dahlias came up in December, but they never grew any height, so they, she had these big dinner plate dahlias that are like six to eight inches across, right at ankle level <laughs> it was <laughs> It was the craziest looking
1: thing, yeah you've got ground cover, yeah <laughs> yeah right, hey Roberta, good answer there with the black dahlias and i have i'll be sending your way uh the list of one hundred three great roses to grow in California. And from the folks at UCIPM, uh, Controlling Weeds in the Landscape. So I'll be sending that information out your way. <laughs> roses
5: up here are deer magnets.
1: <laughs> okay, then we'll I'll, change, I'll scratch out the title, 103 Roses to Grow in California to Deer Food, and, and, yeah. and send it your way. <laughs> you have a good day. All right, Roberta, thanks for calling.
2: It's Appreciate right. it. Uh, deer love roses. I mean, yeah. it's, roses are deer candy.
1: All right. Yeah. So how do you grow roses in deer country?
2: You put something they don't like in front of them. Like what? Oh, uh, rosemary, lavenders, okay. things that are rough that they don't like to eat that are that that they don't like on their tongue. But but it's it's funny. Roses are genetically made to go through a deer system. That's <laughs> there's a bio, you know a symbiotic relationship between deers and roses. Thorns as well. Uh, the prickles, not thorns. Oh, uh, okay, um, yes. Right. Yeah, but but yeah, um, it's it's funny. Rose seeds won't germinate unless they. Um, have the same experience as if they were chewed on by a deer. So, you have to put them in a blender and macerate them that way. Hm, okay. All right. So uh, <laughs> uh, That's how is. roses are distributed in the wild, are through deer. Yeah.
1: Well, I thought they so they only have one stomach then, I guess. Because if they had multiple stomachs like cows, yeah, it wouldn't
2: I think they only have one stomach. Okay. Yeah. All, right. All right. I'm not I'm not positive on on deer uh biology on that, but but I do know that wild roses they go through the deer. Yeah. That's well I know how Bermuda
1: grass yeah. got to the West Coast. It was those guys in, in covered wagons uh-huh. and, and the steer or the oxen hauling those yes. covered wagons carrying the Bermuda grass in their toes. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. Tom and Jackson, go ahead. Give us a movie and a plant.
4: Well, not exactly what you had in mind, but how about honeysuckle rose?
1: Oh, that works. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Is there a variety of rose called the honeysuckle rose? No. Okay. (laughs) I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. All right. Hey, Tom, good answer. I'll be sending you that list of uh, roses for our area, along with the information from UCIPM on growing weeds, or uh, getting rid of weeds. (laughs) Anybody can grow weeds. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for calling, Tom. All right. We have callers three, four, and five on hold, and maybe get a backup answer, too, just in case uh, people falter at mentioning a plant that shares its name with a movie title, Psychic Bonus Points, If It's a Rose Variety. We'll keep the Garden Grappler going here on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Do you have a small...
0: You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650
1: KSTE.
0: Here again, Fred Hoffman.
1: We are in the midst of the Garden Grappler getting answers to the Garden Grappler question, mention a plant that shares its name with a movie title in honor of today's Oscar day, Oscar night tonight. Psychic bonus points if uh, that um, plant and movie title is a rose variety. Not the word rose, but a rose variety. That's for psychic bonus points. You don't need to go that far. Just mention a plant that shares its name with a movie title. Consulting Rosarian and uh, excellent typist Debbie Arrington is here (laughs) from the Sacramento Bee. Have you learned how to type on a smartphone? Oh, not well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I because I, I don't use my thumbs. I, yeah, I don't either. Thumb it's,
2: typing, just, I've never mastered that. So it's a two little two-finger thing. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> we're, we're old. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. We just, Although I do know how to post a story online from my phone
1: now. Ooh, all right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, who's up next here? Uh, number three in the yeah. Uh, Corral of Country Hits here. Marilyn in Carmel. Hi, Marilyn. Hi. Hi. So, Marilyn, go ahead and give us a plant that shares its name with a movie title.
5: Well, I had two. I think one is American Beauty. Well, stop right
1: there. Stop right there. Don't give away any more answers than you have to.
5: That's
1: it? Okay. All right. And she gets bonus points. Psychic bonus points for naming that movie. And with that, what was the rose petals she was covered in? They were rose petals. Yes, they were. But what variety of rose were they? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, well. they were
2: floral, rose, florist roses. Yeah. So it depends on. They were sort of more of a bright red instead of a dark red.
1: Yeah. So that's it um, wasn't the American Beauty. It, it wasn't American Beauty. No. no it was but that one. was the name of the movie. Yes. Uh, that. Um, Kevin Spacey. Kevin. Oh, <laughs> great. That guy. Hey, <laughs> right. yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Wonderful.
2: Yeah. All right. Let's. And it was it was uh, movie of the year too. It was best picture. That's right. Yeah. yeah it yeah. was. Wasn't yeah, it Eugene so, Levy in that movie? I think so. Yeah. Think he might have been, but...
1: Um, okay. The American Beauty is a... Okay, you, you tell me this. What is an HP as far as a rose variety goes? Oh, a uh, hi- um, hybrid perpetual. Hybrid perpetual. Yeah. Not a hybrid tea, a hybrid perpetual. Yeah. Deep pink, 50 petals, introduced in 1875. Yeah. Wow, it's that's a, an, an old, old rose. Day. It's an oldie, okay. yeah. What is the difference between a hybrid tea and a hybrid perpetual?
2: A hybrid perpetual is one that it blooms... Uh, Perpetuate it blooms, it's a repeat bloomer. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. and the, see, the, during the time that that rose was introduced, tea roses were a fairly new thing. Mm-hmm. And tea roses, um, it refers to their origin in China, and they're called tea roses because they were shipped with tea. Mm. Okay. okay, so it has nothing to do with tea, it's, although you can make tea out of rose hips. Yes. But it's, because it, tea plants actually were camellia's.
3: You know, that's right. It, yes. yes. Yeah. yeah that's right. how
2: we got yeah. our camellias here in Sacramento is that they thought they were buying tea plants. And instead, they sent them Camellia camellias. japonicus, which were the flowering camellias. Yeah. But but anyway. Yeah. So
1: it's it's uh, an early uh, repeat bloomer. Is so what, hybrid is. what kind of roses could Marilyn grow in Carmel? Oh, she could all sorts of roses. Okay, the, the, yeah. the fact that it's next to the ocean is not that yeah. big a deal. Yeah,
2: but you, you'd want to find roses that are resistant to black spot. Okay. Yeah, because black spot is your issue out there.
1: All right. Because of the humidity? Yeah, humidity, okay. yeah. Hey, Marilyn, good answer with American Beauty and the psychic bonus points that I'll be sending your way as well. Thank you. So I'll be sending you that list of 103 great roses as well as uh, the UC IPM uh, page on uh, controlling weeds in the landscape. And I imagine even in Carmel you have weeds.
5: Oh, yes. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. They don't need to spend $7 to drive through.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Thanks, Marilyn. Bye-bye. All right. Caller number four in today's Garden Grappler is Zella in Lincoln. Zella. Yes. Go ahead. Name a movie and a plant. How
5: about Oklahoma?
1: Oh, Oklahoma. Yes. That's a rose. That's a rose, yes. That's a rose. Yes.
2: I, yes, It's a and it's a beautiful dark red rose, I'm pretty sure.
1: All right. I have to, I have to write the word psychic on here yes. to remind myself that uh, these people are getting psychic bonus points for mentioning a rose variety that is also a in a movie title. And uh, Zella, good answer there with Oklahoma. That was one of the uh, first roses I planted out in Harold when we lived there because I love red roses. Yeah,
2: a dark red 48 petals introduced in 1964. I read Tea. Yeah. yeah. And
1: actually that plant in our place actually did fairly well despite the fact it wasn't getting eight hours of sun. Yes. So I was very impressed with it.
2: Yes, yeah, so some roses will bloom quite well with only six
1: hours. Yeah. Hey, Zella, good answer. So I'll be sending you all that stuff. Very good. Thank you. All right, Zella, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. All right, and that brings us to caller five in today's garden. Gra- guess who? Guess who? Baldo. That's a good guess. <laughs> Charlotte. No, no, that's a good guess. You were right the first time. She was right the first time, Baldo. <laughs> Uh,
3: how you doing, now, Debbie?
1: Very good, Baldo. Thank you for calling. <laughs> Baldo, you're caller number five. All right. All right. So what are we going to send Baldo? Man, do you have a Master Gardener calendar yet? No, I don't. Okay, well, good. Because that's what I'll send you. If you, being Baldo, Master Rosarian, can name five movie titles featuring five roses. <laughs> I can try. Well, go ahead. Uh, how about Aloha? Yes. Aloha is a It's a rose? lovely pink. Okay. Yes.
2: Yeah. How about Hawaii?
1: Yes. Uh, okay. How about
2: Cinderella? S-
5: yes.
1: Cinderella is a rose? Yeah. All right. Yes. All right. Keep going.
5: How about Ladybird?
1: I don't Lady think Lady Ladybird. Oh, it's after Ladybird Johnson. Oh, yeah.
2: Yes. Oh,
5: Ladybird.
1: Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. Yeah. How many is that? That's only four.
0: Okay,
1: how about uh, uh Snow White? Yes. Snow White's a rose. Yeah, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he got it. He's good. He's good. He's good. <laughs> All right, Baldo, good job. <laughs> yes, and, and we should say that
2: uh Ladybird, there's both the Ladybird and Ladybird Johnson rose. Uh Lady I was, Bird that was was a, my alternate uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a orange red um hybrid tea. Uh,
4: and Ladybird yeah. is a yellow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: You're good, Baldo. You're real good. All right. <laughs> I was worried about you. I haven't heard from you in a while. I was hoping you were okay. Oh, I'm doing fine. All right, good. Have I'll you... be I'll be around this week. Okay. Are you going to be pruning your roses this week? Uh, finishing up. All right. And how many roses is that? Uh, well, I have about 500 to go. 500 to go. And how many have you done so far? Uh, about 2,000. 2,000. 2,500 roses. Yeah, the other ones are in pot, so uh, uh, Charlotte and some of my friends from our, uh, Sacramento Rose Society came over and helped me out. Good for them. Yes. <laughs> all right. Hey, Baldo, good answer. I appreciate your uh, participation in our uh, little contest here. Okay. And uh, I'll send you all sorts of psychic bonus points, too.
5: Okay, great. All right. I need those.
1: All right. <laughs> Thanks, Baldo. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs>
2: That was great. He just nailed it. It's like one after another. He's probably got them all in the yard there. Well, he better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aloha was a surprisingly nice rose. I got one of those that was a cast off. And it's sort of a shell
1: pink. Yeah. It's a climber. So it's, what it's movie pretty... is called Aloha? Just off the <laughs> – all right, I'll look it up. I'm thinking of Aloha from Hawaii, which was an Elvis TV special. And I'm not sure about Aloha – The movie, but uh, that's what we have Google for here, to find these answers. It sure is. Yes, there's a movie.
2: 2015 American Romantic Romantic Comedy Comedy Film. Oh, gosh, yes. That's the one that, that, um, yeah, he was on the island there. It's a Cameron Crowe movie. Oh. And Emma Stone was cast as being uh, Hawaiian-Japanese descent, and it was controversy over that.
1: And uh, the film received negative reviews, (laughs) it says here. Okay. All right. Well, see, Baldo's even better than I thought. That's great.
2: He's on top of it, yeah. (laughs)
1: Debbie Arrington, thanks for uh, participating in our show today. Appreciate it. Oh, it's
2: my pleasure. It's always so much fun.
1: Always look for Debbie's writing in the Sacramento Bee, especially the Garden uh, Columns on Saturday. And share on Facebook. And share on Facebook, (laughs) yes. uh, Share, share, share. What is on, what's the Facebook? Sac Bee Garden? Sac Bee Garden. Yes,
2: all one word, yes. In fact, we have more than 1,000 followers for our Sac Bee Garden page.
1: Congratulations. Yes,
2: all one, one word. Yeah. And you'll find lots of links there and also good stuff and tips. And, um, but also just, you know, follow us online and
1: there you share, go. Share, share, All right. Debbie Arrington, always a pleasure. Drop by again sometime. I shall. All right. Coming up, we're talking with Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum, finding out what's putting on a show at uh, the Davis Arboretum when we come back to get growing on Talk 650, KSTE. Mark Haney here for the.
0: Get Growing Continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman
1: every month we like to talk with warren roberts out at the uc davis arboretum find out what's in bloom and you know we do talk to him over on the kfbk garden show but we can never get through the complete list so we drag him over here to get growing on kste so we can finish off the list and if you were wondering what warren was saying about the showy plants of march uh, on the kfbk show you can listen to that podcast but Let's uh, finish off the list right now with Warren Roberts. And Warren, there's been rain, there's been wind, there's been hail. It's been cold, and yet you tell me the acacias still look fantastic there.
4: They do. I wonder if it's because the flowers are small enough that the <laughs> that the rain and the hail they just uh, bounce out of the way. Whatever it is, they're they're looking good. Uh, big clouds of bright yellow, uh, particularly in the acacia collection in the, uh, the Eric Kong acacia collection at the near the entrance of the Davis campus uh, you can see it from the entrance road but to you really look at it you need to get out on the Arboretum Trail but wow um, my favorite blooming one there is a, is a low one, it only gets about two feet, two and a half feet tall and it spreads, is acacia vilhelmiana uh, which has also fragrant foliage as well as beautiful yellow flowers right now
1: uh, to, so it's like an acacia ground cover.
4: It is. It's an acacia ground cover. Well, you know, there are hundreds of species of them. And, and uh, this one is particularly interesting because you know, instead of, say, planting a tam juniper, you could plant the uh, uh, acacia villanomiana and, and have about the same size, but then bright yellow bloom this time of year.
1: You know what you ought to do sometime is uh, take people for a walk through the acacia grove.
4: Well, as a matter of fact, there will be an opportunity to to do that <laughs> on the fourteenth of March. We're leaving from the Arboretum office, temporary building thirty-two. Don't worry, it's called temporary, but it's uh, going to be there, and it's also called Valley Oak Cottage, <clears throat> kind of in the middle of the of the Arboretum. And um, we go look at the red buds first part of the uh, the walk, and then over to the acacias and and things in between too.
1: Wednesday, March 14th at 12 noon, it's the Walk with Warren. And uh, last time I checked, you weren't charging people to do that walk.
4: No, no, we're not. (laughs) So uh, it'll be fun. We'll have a good time and get a little bit of exercise this time.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we should point out, too, that the Arboretum is open seven days a week, and people can tour it at their leisure and check out the plants. Many of the plants have labels, so you're bound to find something that just might do well in your own yard. You can take a picture of it and uh, go look for it. Or you can come back, I guess, on March 10th to the plant sale at the UC Davis Arboretum, and maybe they'll have it there for sale.
4: Many times we do, and that's, yes, it's uh, the 10th of March from 9 to 1. It's a membership sale but you can uh, join at the door and um by the, that, that sometimes gives you uh discounts i believe and so it's a, it's a good thing to do and it's a good cause to be supporting of course i'm a bit biased but it is a good cause <laughs> yeah. support the arboretum yes it is so yeah all, all right let's, well, that's, that's, let's get to the
1: list that we didn't finish over on the other radio show and see what else is putting on a show this month
4: Good. Well, there's lots to, to look at. The hellebores, which looked good last month, still do look good. We have a number of species and hybrids, <clears throat> range in flower color from chartreuse to to dark maroon. The um, Lenten rose, because it blooms during during Lent, is um, a, a rather somber plant, but very beautiful. It's a good plant for uh, for bright shade in in our area. The magnolias are in bloom now, too, and one in particular, its buds are still a bit closed. The rich color is a magnolia, well, with the cultivar name of Ann, A-N-N, <clears throat> named for uh, a lady named Ann, I suppose. And um, uh, the, there are no leaves when the flower when the flowers bloom, so you get quite a spectacular look at, at that one. So there's the white flower Daphne odora, is they're looking good and with putting out lots of fragrance and we have a, a patch of those at the gazebo area, the Mary, the, uh, uh, um, uh the arboretum, uh, uh, gazebo, which is out by the oak grove. And, uh, the, Daphne is of course one of the great early spring blooming shrubs in our area, originally from China. A South African bulb uh, is looking good. It's called Lachinalia alloides variety quadricolor. <laughs> I'm not sure of the common name of this. It's a small bulb, and uh, but it, the flowers have four colors, orange, red, yellow, and purple. Bulbanella floribunda, another South African, which has a spike of, of bright yellow flowers, always blooms at the same time as daffodils. Ceanothus. Some of the Ceanothuses are blooming. Ceanothus arboreus with its light blue flowers. That, that's one of the really t- uh, archetypical bright uh, flowered California shrubs. Senecio pedicides, which is native to the mountains of Mexico. big felty leaves, big heads of small daisy flowers. A shrub that gets about oh, seven feet tall and is a good plant for the east side of a, of a, of a building with a little protection. It's called California geranium because when it's not in bloom, it looks kind of like a big geranium. But it's um, an old-fashioned garden plant in California and very beautiful. Another yellow-flowered plant, this one from Australia, is Sena nemophila, Sena nemophila, um, which is a legume but has flowers that look more like buttercups. And uh, we have uh, some nice patches of those near the <clears throat> near the east end of the arboretum. Another Australian is a vine called Hardenbergia violacea with purple flowers and a kind of a wiry vine, and we have some uh, serving as a ground cover as well. And I guess last but not least on the, on the list would be the um, Lavatera bicolor, Lavatera maritima, which is the uh, Spanish mallow native to the coasts of Spain and Portugal. And it has, the hib- it looked, has like small hibiscus flowers that are lavender pink with purple centers and uh, kind of grayish leaves. It's not a plant for the snow area, uh, in this listening area, but it does fine in Sacramento Davis in the valley floor.
1: And that's, so, I believe, an evergreen shrub. And if I recall correctly, it, it blooms a long time.
4: It blooms almost all year. Right now, it's, it's at its most floriferous. It's most splendid. It has lots of flowers. But it's a a good plant and uh it it will get though you need to leave it some room because it gets about oh, eight feet tall and about fifteen feet wide, so it would need a bit of room.
1: Well, let before we run out of time, let's remind people again that the U C Davis Arboretum is having their member plant sale for the spring. The first one is March the tenth. That's Next Saturday, it's in the morning, and uh, you don't have to be a member because you can join at the door, and then you're a member, and then you can take advantage <laughs> of all the deals.
4: It's a good deal. And you can, if the plant list is on the web with, at the Arboretum website, which is arboretum.ucdavis.edu, and you can uh, look at the list and make, your, make some of your choices even before you come to the sale.
1: You know, Warren, I think we ought to do this again next month.
4: Let's do it. That sounds like fun.
1: I I think for April, I'll probably have to set aside a bit more time for this.
4: Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, because there'll be a lot more in bloom, for sure. Exactly.
1: Well, again, Warren Roberts, always a pleasure uh, chatting with you and finding out what's doing well, what's in color, what's putting on a show at the UC Davis Arboretum, which is open seven days a week on the UC Davis campus. Go and check it out. (laughs) Warren, good talking with you. We'll do it again next month. I look forward to it, Fred. Thanks a lot. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650, KSTE, KSTE KSTE.com, and the iHeartRadio app.
0: You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred.
1: Talk 650 KSTE.
0: Here again, Fred Hoffman.
1: Coming up next Saturday, March the 10th from 9 to noon at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center in Fair Oaks Park, they're having an open garden put on by the Sacramento County Master Gardeners. What's going to go on at an open garden? Let's find out. We're talking with Sacramento County Master Gardener Andy McDonald. And Andy, uh, with the frost we've had, the freeze in some situations, and the rain, you've been out there. How does the place look?
5: Actually, it looks surprisingly good. We've got a lot of a uh, lot of plants in bloom, and um, I did not notice any frost damage.
1: That's a good thing. All right. So what is blooming in March? What can people expect to see in the water-efficient landscape that they may want to add to their own yard for a little late winter color?
5: Well, right now, blooming, we've got valley violets, beautiful purple color. The manzanita is absolutely stunning right now, blooming. We have something called an emu bush, which is from Australia. Uh, It's also called a Valentine's Day bush, and it's bloomy, has beautiful little red flowers on it. And then we have lots of bulbs, uh, daffodils, narcissus. Uh, we've got the summer uh, snowflakes are starting to bloom and uh, Bidens are blooming. It's surprisingly colorful.
1: Now, usually at these open gardens where people are free to walk around, there are master gardeners stationed all over the place to answer your questions. And I imagine there's a, a few demonstrations going on there as well. We should point out they're peaceful demonstrations.
5: Yes, they are. Yes. They're very peaceful.
1: <laughs> and, and what will they be this time?
5: Well, this time in the vineyards, uh, they're going to be doing a demonstration of both cane and, spr- and uh, spur pruning, and that'll be at 10 o'clock. And then they'll also be talking more informally on managing pests in the vineyards.
1: There's a lot of confusion about uh, pruning grapes, and uh, people are always asking, well, do you cane prune them or do you spur prune them? And really, it depends on the grape, so you can find out more on Saturday.
5: Right, they'll be demonstrating both methods and talking which is appropriate for which which type of uh, grape
1: anything going on in, over in the composting section
5: well, in the composting they're going to be turning shifting, and then uh, they're they're going to be talking informally about what to do with it when it's ready in other words how do you how do you actually use the compost that you just made
1: Is it too early to be fertilizing fruit trees?
5: Well, they're going to be doing a mini demo on fertilizing fruit trees in the orchard at ten o'clock. So they will be covering all of that. And then they're also going to be, um, further discussing pruning and thinning.
1: Now, what a lot of people come looking for, and I always advise people to pay a visit to the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center on a regular basis, if not monthly, at least seasonally, so they can think of the plants, see the plants that are currently in bloom and add it to their own landscape so that there's always something in bloom back at home. And I would think uh, that uh, this would be a great time to get out there and see some water efficient plants that are putting on a show right now. And, And by the way, how are the California poppies looking?
5: Uh, they look pro, they, they look uh, proficient. <laughs> they, we're, we're pulling out some of them. We have so many. They're not blooming yet, but the foliage looks wonderful. It, it's loved the rain. But in the well itself, we will be discussing uh, how to select water-efficient plants for seasonal blooms, and we have a lot blooming right now because a lot of Mediterranean-style plants bloom in the winter. We have a lot of things in bloom, and then we also have um, cards with pictures on them for each of the sections of the well garden that show plants that might not be in bloom right now, what they will look like when they are blooming and when they'll be blooming. And so we've we're prepared to discuss all of that with our visitors
1: well that's a great new addition to the fair Oaks horticulture center
5: yes yeah we we spent a lot of time on these cards you can't take them with you but <laughs> we have them <laughs> we have them to to and each of the section has their own set of cards of plants that are specific to their areas
1: i'm sure it would look good on a camera on a smartphone
5: oh yes oh yeah you yes it would And we have all the and we have all the information on the appropriate place to put plants. So if if uh, if someone has a question on, you know, they've got a specific area, they want some color, we're ready to tell them what kind of plant would be appropriate for that spot.
1: Usually at the monthly Fair Oaks Horticulture Center open gardens and workshops, there's a table there where you can go and ask a master gardener so you can bring in your problem, a piece of your problem plant or that. Bug you can't recognize, just keep it in a sealed container, if you would please. And uh, there will be somebody there to answer those questions.
5: Yes, we have a table set, uh, set up just for that. People ready to ready to answer. Uh, we have books, we have cards, we have all kinds of um, of information uh, available, and so a- that we can ask we can answer questions.
1: Is the Master Gardener gardening guide and calendar going to be available?
5: We're getting real close to the edge of of not having them anymore, but but I believe there are a few calendars still available, and they are a wonderful source. And we've also, something else that we've got going out there is we have um, uh, thornless berries for sale in one-gallon pots, and last year when we did this, they ran out fast. So anyone who wants one needs to think about getting there early for that. And then we also have a limited number of the 2017 grapes for sale.
1: So it's grapes and thornless blackberries? Yes. All right. It's at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center. It's their open garden for March. Head on out there. See what's in bloom. Find some interesting plants. Get your garden questions answered. It's free. There's free parking. There's no reason for you not to go. Rain or shine, 9 to noon, Saturday, at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center, located in Fair Oaks Park. 11549 Fair Oaks Boulevard, that's south of Madison. It's next to the library. It's the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center. It's our local garden gem. Andy McDonald, Sacramento County Master Gardener, thanks for a few minutes of your time. You're welcome. Other garden events going on between now and next Saturday. Well, as a matter of fact, today it's the original Sacramento Home and Garden Show. It's at Cal Expo today until 5 o'clock. And uh, it's the 37th annual one. And they have the latest in landscaping, gardening, patio, fencing, decks, heating and air, all that stuff for your home. And that's uh, at Cal Expo, the Sacramento Home and Garden Show. Also going on today, the 90th or 94th Camellia Festival at the Memorial Auditorium in downtown Sacramento. That's going on until five o'clock today. Tomorrow, Monday, March the 5th. The Sacramento, or the, the San Joaquin County Master Gardeners have a class on growing tomatoes. Yes, you can learn about growing tomatoes. I wouldn't plant them yet. But, you know, if you really, 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 really wanted to, you could buy tomato plants at, an, at a reputable nursery that has them now and grow them indoors in good light until the time comes to put them outdoors. And that's true for those of you who are starting tomatoes from seed. Don't forget to be turning those plants if they're in a sunny window so that they don't get perpetually bent. Give them a quarter turn every day so those uh, tomato plants don't get slanted. And if you do use artificial lights, be sure to only keep those lights maybe two inches above the plants. And that's why it's nice if you have a lighting system that it be on some sort of uh, methodology that you can raise and lower the lights specifically raise the lights uh, as the plant grows. So you can find those systems available at a lot of the big box stores as well. And um, grow those tomatoes, slowly acclimate them to the outdoors beginning in early April. And then by the end of April, by April 28th, Sacramento official planting day, you can plant them in the garden. All right. Anyway, the uh, San Joaquin County Master Gardeners class on All About Tomatoes. It's tomorrow, Monday, 10 to 1130 at the Lodi Library at 201 West Locust Street in Lodi. And that, of course, is free. Other uh, classes going on, a lot of area master gardeners uh, putting, getting you ready for spring. And that includes over in Napa, the Master Gardeners of Napa County, uh, want you to join them for growing groceries in your backyard it's a workshop to be held saturday march 10th from 9:30 to 11:30 at the cooperative extension meeting room in napa at 1710 soskel avenue and then the following uh, sunday march the 11th 1 to 3 o'clock in yountville at the yountville community center at 6516 washington street you'll find out about uh, new varieties uh, old varieties how to enjoy from the garden straight to the table The delight of growing your own groceries is matched by savoring them at harvest. That is so true. Going on next weekend at the uh, Green Acres Nursery and Supply in Folsom, uh, the Master Gardeners of Sacramento County will have an information table. You can ask the Master Gardeners uh, your questions Saturday 1 to 5, Sunday 9 to 4 at the uh, Folsom Green Acres Nursery and Supply at 205 Serpa Way. So when you make the right on to, what is that, Iron Point, don't make a right at the first street. It's the second street where you'll find Green Acres. If you make a right on the first street, it's going to take you to the parking lot of Costco. There's nothing wrong with Costco. You just have to wend your way through the parking lot behind the gas station and then back up the hill to Green Acres. So basically Green Acres is on Serpa Way, not on Cabot. Anybody who's ever been there has learned that the hard way. Master Gardeners from Sacramento County there next Saturday and Sunday. I do believe uh, Sacramento's organic advocate Steve Zion will be there as well, uh, representing our water, our world to sort of help you find the right uh, products to uh, help your garden out that are safe, that are organically acceptable. Also uh, going on uh, next no. Well, the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center is going on next Saturday, 9 to noon, the workshop we just talked about with Andy McDowell. So, upcoming events. If your group has uh, an activity coming up, try to get the information to me about uh, two to three weeks ahead of time so I can yak about it here on the air, as well as uh, post it at farmerfred.com. And all the information I just talked about, you can find it on the homepage at farmerfred.com as well, if you missed any of it. So try to get it to me about two to three weeks ahead of time. You can just email it to me to fred at farmerfred.com as we uh, prepare to enter The busy season of gardening, it's not quite here yet. It's still winter. Current temperature in Sacramento is winter, uh, 46 degrees, and the the high today only 54. Low tonight, going to be cold again, 34, and and again with patchy fog uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, Sunny skies Tuesday and Wednesday. Daytime highs Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, getting in eventually to the mid-60s. 57 on Monday, 66 on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, partly sunny, 65 degrees. Next chance of rain looks to be next uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, unless things change, and things may change, because it's wintertime, it's weasel weather season, so basically anything can happen uh, in that time. Taking a look at uh, road uh, road problems right now as far as chain requirements go, uh, no chain requirements on 50 right now. How about on 80? Uh, Chains are required on 80 from Nyack to Truckee. And on 88, chains are required from Ham Station to Kirkwood. So the roads, the mountain roads slowly reopening uh, after the latest little bout of uh, rain and and snow in the mountains. The snow level got down pretty low, 1,500 to 2,000 feet. Not that uncommon in March. We could use more. We're still at a a bit of a deficit when it comes to uh, rainfall in our area. We are standing at about 67% of normal. And depending on where you are, Our seasonal total so far is running at about uh, 10 inches or so. So we're normally at this time we should be closer to 15 inches. So fortunately, the storm door has opened more rain on the way. Also on the way, KSDE Farm Hour. We're going to be talking about what happened in the hard freeze to California's main agricultural crops, the fruit and nut trees. What happened there? Also, we pay a visit. If you like fruit trees, if you like uh, pluots and apriums and things like that, we're going to pay a visit to Zager Genetics down in Modesto to see how they developed those delicious new varieties of fruit, including the very popular Independence Almond that so many farmers are planting. Have yourself a good week. Shall we do this again next week? Why not? Thank you, Terry, for your help on the board. Thanks for listening to Get Growing on KSTE.